Hi, and welcome to the latest edition of Bork Talk. I'm Lindsay Moore, and joining me this week is uh, Nick Thompson. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Lindsay. What a pleasure. What a treat to actually be doing this live uh, together. We've got the Skype hookup going this week, folks, which is much different. Usually we record a few different things, share them around. So we are stepping forward with the Mighty Hawk Talk podcast this week. And it might be a little more lighthearted. That's right. We might be a little bit more levity involved. So that'll be good. Anyway, first up, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the AFL landscape. It's been another interesting week in uh, AFL football. All the Melbourne clubs are abandoning Victoria, going north to get some sun. It sure has. Any truth in the rumour that the SMJFL is looking to relocate all 27 clubs up to uh, Noosa to, to play the season? I'll tell you what, it sounds like a solid plan, mate. I wouldn't mind uh, getting into a hub on the Gold Coast or over to Scarborough or Beach or something like that and getting a getting 10 weeks over there. Can everyone, parents, friends, family, can we all just transplant over? That, that shouldn't be too big of an exercise, should it? Yeah, I'm not sure it matters too much because I'm because uh, we Mexicans aren't very welcome in the uh, <laughs> in the rest of the country at the moment. So I think unless we are AFL players, we're not welcome. Well, that's correct. We we wouldn't get the exemption that the AFL players get. So we can forget about that dream. Uh, what else has been happening this week? Oh well, a Collingwood player steel side side bottoms um, almost caused some problems with the AFL season. I knew you'd bring this up, and fresh off a loss as well, so you know that I'm still hurting. Yeah, not a good week for Steele, not a good week for the Magpies at all, and for our for our Presidente, who's uh, a little lesson for the kids out there. When you when you make a mistake, guys, just, just own it. Just get out there and own it. Don't tell stories and try and fumble your way through it. Just own your mistakes, and life will treat you much kinder than, than otherwise. Yes, and the uh, the program earlier in the year on the, which was it footy classifieds where uh, Eddie said, well, the next player that breaks the COVID um, protocols, hundred thousand dollar fine and suspended for the rest of the season. Right, they're booking them. So I, I suspect that Steele will be um, writing a check for a hundred k and might be playing the rest of the year. Look, I'm not sure he will. <laughs> I think maybe Ed regrets those words. Anyway, so yes, yeah, a big week in AFL, obviously, and it'll be it'll be great. Hopefully, uh, let's get them out of Victoria, and um, and hopefully that means that things will be a bit smoother sailing for them in the other states where they go to, and um, yeah, get them up. At least it guarantees another five weeks of the AFL season. Yeah, correct. At the moment, we've got no idea what's going to happen in the future. Who knows? In five weeks, everything might be okay, and. Clubs can come back to Melbourne, play in Melbourne, play play in front of a crowd. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And obviously, on a on a more local front, we've also had, uh, you know, the local leagues. There's now definitely no senior footy going to be played in Victoria at all, other than AFL, which is quite quite sad, because I think a number of those clubs probably won't come back. I think you're right, and I was thinking, I was trying to think of when the last time something like that would have happened and it probably the only thing I could think of that might have caused that was World War um, times you know World War One or World War Two that perhaps that might have been a time where we've had no footy played at a local level but even then I reckon you still would have had I don't know I'd have to <laughs> do some research but I can't think of anything else that could have called off local footy especially not here you know that just seems so radical. You're probably right with the World War but clubs wouldn't have had the expenses that they now carry so 
whilst whilst you could call off the season, you'd almost guarantee that the clubs would be back the next year fronting up. But a lot of clubs this year are just going to take a heavy loss, and I don't see some of them recovering, which is really, really sad. Yeah, look, I think you're right. and I, I mean, we know from our own perspective, uh, we haven't even, you know, got to the season yet, and we know how much money and time and resources have already been outlaid by the club and by the league and by the parents. You know, um, we've all sort of tipped in heavily to get things to here. Um, so, yes, having the season for those senior clubs then called off uh, must must be just such a massive burden financially and, um, you know, which is why we're all so hopeful um, and why we're all working so hard to try and get our kids to run around um, at least for, you know, the 10 weeks that we've got scheduled um, so that all those expenses and things that we've gone through already are not in vain um, and that clubs aren't put under the same sort of pressure financially. Yeah, I, I think a lot of members of clubs, our club included, probably don't appreciate the amount of expenditure that the clubs have before the season actually starts. And we do rely very heavily on fundraising throughout the season and also sponsorship to, to add on um, to membership fees. Um, and we don't have that opportunity this year for the fundraising. Um, we've been fortunate our club has been fortunate that our main sponsors have all stuck with us through this difficult time. But um, as I said, most of the club's money has already been spent before the before a ball's kicked in anger. Yeah, it's troubling. Obviously, disappointing news this week um, that everybody will be aware about by now. But yeah, very disappointing that we're not going to be able to have our uh, practice matches. Yeah, dis- disappointing, but a responsible... Yeah, a responsible decision, sacrificing a day of scratch matches for the benefit of being able to play round one and possibly get the season to go ahead and, and play all ten rounds. There was a risk that if we went ahead with the with the practice matches on Sunday, um, that, that may have caused issues further down the track in terms of our club not being able to field teams because of COVID-related type issues. Yes. As much as a club didn't like making the decision, the club had to make that decision and it was the only decision the club could make for the better betterment of all the players and, and the club playing all 10 rounds in the season if it does go ahead. 100%. And I think we're really lucky and uh, fortunate to have been, that you know, that there was, people were informed of what was going on early. So that I think that's the big one for everybody out there if you're not well let us know and this family did the right thing by letting the club know 100 percent. that's what i mean we're so you know it's so so good that they were on the front foot um so that we're able to uh, prevent uh it becoming a, an issue and so if we keep that going um uh anybody for anybody else who might have similar um you know things that they know they should tell us but maybe don't want to because they, know, they don't want to be the ones who cause cause problems. Yeah, we're far better off knowing than not. Oh, look, there's only three or four things that we require from our club members. One, social distancing and, and keeping that 1.5 metre uh, distance between yourself and a, 
a fellow parent or spectator. Two, if you're unwell, uh, don't turn up and uh, make sure you let the club know that uh, you're unwell and you won't be turning up. And three, uh, use good, practice good hygiene and uh, regularly sanitise your hands. If, if we do those three things, then everything should be fairly good. Um, the only other thing is probably when we get to match day, the only other issue is um, do not touch the football. The only ones that are going to be allowed to touch the football are the players, umpires and other officials. So if the ball comes outside the ground and bounces near you, just let one of the players or one of the officials come across the, come across the fence and, and, and collect the ball and return it to the play. Um, and that, that's the only things that our members, particularly just parents, um, non-players, non um, need to remember. Well, pretty simple, Lindsay. Geez, when you when you spell it out like that, don't know, don't know what anyone's worried about. Well, we wouldn't have this issue if everyone actually did what they were supposed to do. This is true, mate. This is exactly right. On those return to play, you know, those four things that you just listed, um, I think it's really important that we take the time to mention for everybody out there the return to play guidelines from AFL Vic that have been pumped up on our social media and the league's social media, and they've been emailed out to all members and they've been sent via TMAP. And, you know, they're out there, uh, for, for God's sakes. You know, if you haven't read the return to play guidelines, do so. Like, really take it on board that it's everyone's job to know what's going on. As Lindsay said, it's a pretty straightforward process if we all just know what to do and bloody well do it. So let's, um, let's make sure that everybody gets informed you know, um, don't just rock up and think you'll and and plan on picking it up as you go. Please, please get prepared beforehand. Every year, ninety five percent of us or one hundred percent of us all say it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. Not all of us mean it every year. <laughs> However, this time around, it really is like just bloody. <laughs> Let's let's get the kids. The kids are involved. The rest of us have just got to stay away from each other and and watch. Uh, who have you got interviewing this week, Lindsay? We've got a very special guest this week. Um, we've managed to secure an interview with um, Joy Bond, who's the talent manager at the Oakley Chargers. Um, he's had a very interesting career as a professional sports person, both as a player and as, as an administrator. Look, look forward to hearing a bit about um, Jai's story, firstly, and then the second half of the interview, we'll talk a little bit about the Oakley Chargers and their, their culture and some tips and ideas about what it is that recruiters actually look for in, in, in players when, when they're out there looking um, for the various AFL clubs to try and identify some talent to draft. Yeah, right. There'll be some great stuff in there for our, our young kids who uh, want to be recognised and noticed and and take their footy seriously, that'll be very insightful for them. All right, now it's time for our regular competition, the Stadium Fish and Chippery Voucher. So we're going to give away two each week. Today, question number one is... In last week's episode, we interviewed Rebecca Black, the psychologist. All we need you to do is tell us what suburb her private practice is located in. So if you know the answer, email that to podcast at wphawks.org.au for your chance to win.
He's the son of an AFL legend, has been through the AFL development pathway, and has been involved in development pathways of elite and high-performance environments as both a player and administrator. Our next guest this week is Joy Bond, Talent Manager at the Oakley Chargers. Welcome to Hawk Talk, Joy. Uh, thanks for having me, Lindsay. Appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it. It's a good time to be having a chat. Now, I um, want to take you through the various sporting stages of your life. Um, I think it's a fascinating story, but before we do, tell us a little bit about your current role of Talent Manager at the Oakley Chargers. Um, what do you do and what are you responsible for? Yeah, so currently I'm, uh, well, I'm, I'm in stand down as, as the majority of the AFL staff are, but my current role is, is talent manager at the Oakley Chargers. So um, if you can sort of think about basically the Chargers as a, as a sporting football club, not dissimilar to, to the Hawks. Um, obviously we're in the, we're in the NAB league pathway. We run development football programs for both boys and girls, uh, the junior levels, 16s uh, and 18s, and we have we have done 15s in the past. Uh, my role there is to basically run uh, run the club as, as general manager, manage all these programs. So at any given stage, we'd have, uh, you know, a few hundred boys and girls and maybe 70 to 100 honorarium staff, full-time contractors. Um, as you can sort of imagine, it gets pretty busy. Uh, not dissimilar to, to running a small business in terms of all the different, I guess, mechanics and arms. Uh, and we just happen to provide a product which is is football, and the end goal is to development uh, develop talent for the AFL in terms of draftable boys and girls. Um, so when you think about it like that, it's, it's a pretty big role. It takes up a lot of time. We're often working eight days a week during the football season, and, and it's a 20-day it's a Obviously, sometimes a 24-hour-a-day job and, and seven-day-a-week and 12 months of the year now that, you know, with, with pre-season uh, training and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully that's given you a bit of a snapshot into, into the role. Um, it's a very, very intense but very rewarding role. At the end of the day, you're involved in young boys and girls uh, realising their, their football dreams. And at the end of the day, that's that's the most rewarding part of, of my role and, and one of the, the, the main I guess drivers in and in why 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 I do it and I guess why we're all involved in football and I guess why you're involved at the at the grassroots junior level, mate. Thanks, Joe. Just um, want to pick you up on uh, um, talking about dreams. You had your own dreams uh, way back in time. Um, not your first involvement with the Oakley Chargers, as you played played them as a with them as a teenager. You were drafted by Richmond as a father son selection, but through your injuries, never got to play an AFL game. Tell us a little bit about that time, the pressure of being the son of an AFL player, your, your dreams of playing AFL, and ultimately the disappointment um, of being delisted because of injury. Yeah, it's funny how, how you know life sort of goes full circle and I find myself you know back sort of where it, where it all began, I guess. But um, as a young kid, I think, when you're you're playing football and your and your father had had played and and all that sort of stuff, it's kind of gives you or definitely does as it does now. It gives you more opportunity, no doubt. Um, and as as I'm a little bit older now, you, you at the time you don't realise it, but you know you you are, I guess, focused on a little bit more because you may have a have a name that people realise and, and we do it now with the kids, boys and girls that come through our programs, you're automatically going to get a little bit more focus because you do have a, a, a father that's been through the program. So it affords AFL clubs that 
that right to um, to pick you, you know, father, father, son, and father, daughter. Uh, the, the the rules have changed, but it still offers AFL clubs um, a chance to pick you. So there's always that pressure. Uh, as a as a an adult now, I didn't realise it at the time, but most definitely when you're a young kid, um, there there was that pressure. And and as you get sort of older and you get to the point where I was as a, as a young teenager. You get a little bit older, sort of around the 17, 18-year-old mark, and, and you start to feel that pressure of maybe I'm not going to live up to the the expectations. Maybe it wasn't my own. Maybe it wasn't, you know, my dad's. But maybe, you know, you feel that pressure of, you know, maybe not succeeding, which, um, you know, can can be tough. But, again, it's it's also you, you, you get afforded that extra, I guess, chance of, of playing. So you sort of kind of weigh up the good with the bad. Um so yeah, that, that's sort of. I was fortunate enough to to, to be uh, invited down to Richmond, and um, as as it turns out, a couple of knee reconstructions, and a shoulder reconstruction, and a, and a groin injury sort of put put that sort of uh, put a big dent in that in that career uh, progression, mate. Quick smart. So how how disappointed were you at that time in terms of like all those injuries impacting on your ability to to put forward your your best football at the time. I, I probably was quite devastated, but didn't realise the, the the impact of not being able to to work on on my craft as as I probably could have. And when you get as, as I said, when I'm a bit older, I realised I probably could have done things a little bit differently. I could have, you know, possibly, you know, worked harder in in the rehab or you know, worked harder in in possibly changing some you know, ways I could have taken a bit of time off to let my body, uh, I, I guess, regenerate and recoup. But you also think, well, you know, sometimes it's just bad luck. You know, you, you, my body just wasn't ready for AFL and just fell apart, you know, and you see it a lot these days. It's that's just life. You know, you, you, sometimes it doesn't work out, mate. You know, every time I went to play, I got hurt. So, you know, basically that's the deal and that was basically what happened to me and you just, you just move on. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it, in hindsight, you look back, could you have done things or just just a bit of bad luck? But, you know, whatever whatever the reason, it led me to, you know, the next chapter in that in that football, I guess, journey, which was, I guess, the next part will, was giving up on football and, and trying something else. Yeah, well, you, you didn't get lost to uh, professional sport, but uh, you ended up in a totally different country playing a totally different sport. Um, ended up in the US looking to be drafted as a punter into the uh, NFL. How did that all come about? Yeah, it's um, well, when I was able to play football, um, I wasn't really that good, to be fair, and I couldn't really hit a target. So I, I had this up and under kick, so I'd just get the ball and basically try and run. Uh, Dad was a really fast runner, so I just used to basically try and take off and, and kick kick the ball as far as I could um so in this day and age might have worked but back then I you know really struggled to hit a target um anywhere over 15 yards maybe I'd, I'd prefer to try and have a shot at goal which again probably led to my failures as a as a footballer uh, AFL but it kind of led me down the path of I guess having uh the right I guess mechanics and kick to to explore you know the the NFL as a pathway and as an option. And um, as a young kid, I was 
I was always quite fascinated with with American football and American life and um, you know we've just had the the last dance come on TV and I'm sure you've, you've spoken about it but as a young kid I'd I'd get my VCR out and record NBA games NFL games which was really hard to get back then we, I think it might have been on channel two um, and I just loved America and I loved the lifestyle and when I sort of thought about it and started practicing and exploring it and it started to work I really thought well I'm a chance here to have a have a crack and and um yeah sort of it took a long time mate like I was I was studying university here and um and then sort of practicing the punning because it's not something you can just do it's a it's a very different uh technique to, to Aussie rules um, and I think we know a lot more about the transition now um, as we see so many young kids coming through the college system from Australia. But at the time, it was only really Darren Bennett. Um, you know, Ben and Sav had, had just made their way over there. Um, I had some, some dealings with Sav and we used to train together. So he sort of worked with me and, and helped me find my way over there. Um but yeah, it was just sort of something that I, I, I thought I could do and I worked hard at it and I was sort of lucky enough to have, a, a I guess, a, a pretty good experience, mate, over there. Yeah, so you ultimately got signed by both the Miami Dolphins and the, um, the New York Giants um, in successive seasons, but got cut from their rosters before before the uh, first game. Um, tell us a little bit about that cutthroat environment of the NFL, particularly... It's different to the AFL where you, you're sort of competing for the one punter spot on a roster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – and I think, you know, the the early – the Dolphins was a really, you know, uh, an eye-opener for me. You know, I really had never re- had had a huge experience with a helmet, with pads. So I probably was really, really fortunate uh, to, to get there so quick. I mean, there's obviously a lot of work in the background over the years, but to, to sign and to get to that situation so fast was I was probably wasn't ready for it. To be fair, um, and I wasn't I didn't succeed at the, at the Dolphins, um, but I learned a hell of a lot. I sort of you know had to take two steps back to go forward almost, um, but it's certainly an intense environment. Um, you know, young 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 boys and girls can get drafted into the AFL system, and you might have three or four years on, on a on a list to develop and, and prove yourself. Whereas when you're in the NFL, like like myself, you might be there anywhere from one day to you know one year to two to three or four to five years. You know, there's no specific contract length. The contracts are non-guaranteed, so you can sign a contract for five years and be cut you know, five minutes later. So. There's, there's certainly no guarantees and there's there's very little job security, especially when you're coming in against an incumbent uh, and you're basically there to to take someone else's job. Um, and moving into that industry, I was a bit unaware of the the like the the intense competition of of that. You know, I've been in the position of both when you know you're trying to take someone else's job and someone's trying to take your job. They're two very different. Um, mindsets, uh, and at the end of the day, it's it's extremely competitive, and yeah, the cutthroat nature is 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 something that I don't think you can quite uh, grasp unless you've been on the end of a, a phone call at six in the morning saying, 
uh, Joe, your time's up, mate. Where do you want to go? The taxis are out, out the front and you, you, where do you want the, the, the flight to go because you've been released. <laughs> See you later. Uh, so that's ha- that happened a couple of times, mate. But at the end of the day, it's um, that's the business. And once I sort of understood that a bit more, you know, you go into it, you know, in a very different uh, mindset than what I did at the start. So each each team, each, uh, I guess, bit of the journey, you know, you, you get a little bit more um, resilient and a bit more understanding of of the situation. Um, yeah, so that was that was sort of it, mate. Very very uh, lucky to have that sort of experience but it's also extremely different to the way we operate here in terms of of our professional sport yeah, now once once you uh, uh got cut from the uh the giants i think you ended up playing with the hartford colonials in the very short-lived ufl i think it lasted about two or three seasons with just six teams um before you gave up on the nfl dream and found yourself returning to australia um where you popped up as um as a player development executive for the uh, Professional Football Association, how did someone with an AFL NFL background end up at a soccer organisation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a, um, it, was, it was certainly uh, you know a great experience to to be obviously with the with the Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants, you know, arguably two of the largest sporting organisations in the world, and to see and be part of those. Uh, to two businesses and the professionalism and and just the the enormity of of I guess um, being on those rosters you know America's got 320 million odd people um, there's only 50 uh, there's only uh, x amount of jobs as a punter in the the world at any given time so there's only basically two on each on each team and there's um, you know only a few teams uh, rolling around so. Yeah, there's probably more, you know, brain surgeons in the world than there than there are NFL punters at any given time. So, um, to, to to look back on that and then to have the the UFL experience was was again another fantastic time to be part of a, a, a I guess a league that's now defunct <laughs> was um was fun. We you know we all lived in a hotel, 53 of us together, and and we you know we travelled around and it was certainly a a good second tier program for me to be in to bounce back into the nfl i bounced back for a few different clubs and and all that sort of stuff and then yeah ultimately came home uh and and worked with kids to get into the college system but during the during the the journey i've really developed a i guess a passion and a uh i guess a um an affinity and it just fell into the player development and well-being space uh, I don't know whether it was just the journey or, or myself, but I found uh, lucky enough to find a role in the PFA, which is the Professional Footballers Australia, as as player development manager across across the A League and uh, specifically with the with the Matildas and the the Socceroos and Melbourne City. So um, again, yeah, pretty cool, mate. Really, really fortunate to to work with you know players like Tim Kay or Milo Yedinek, Matt Ryan. Uh, Aaron Moy at, at City and, and, and female players like Sam Kerr now, who's just a star, Caitlin Ford, Emily Van Egmond, uh, all these different athletes uh, and working with them at the peak of their game in terms of their off-field development, well-being and, and how they navigate through an ever-changing uh, landscape for them was not dissimilar to, to what I had done in terms of obviously their 
professional lives is at the very peak he's going to take them away from their native country to a obviously an overseas contract where football the world game soccer as, as we call it is going to be where they're going to make their i guess their careers and, and the bulk of their their earnings um so that was a really really cool experience mate you know working with i guess the city group um and their their initial female team um won their inaugural championship when i was there and worked with the, the Socceroos during their, their Asian League um, uh, championship. So uh, that was that was awesome. And, and at the time, again, you know, you, you, I was just sort of going through the motions and, and doing my job. But now that I'm, I'm out of it, I just sit back and think, well, that was that was pretty cool. So, um, that, yeah, and then, uh, and then I was, you know, really fortunate enough to, to find my way back into the AFL system. Where you find yourself back at the ultimately back at the Oakley Chargers, where, where it all started <laughs> as a talent manager. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? You know, when you you go from you know Oakley you know, to all these different places around the world, and then back to Warrawee Park at, in Oakley. And we'll be back with Jai shortly to discuss development pathways and the Oakley Chargers. Earlier in the program, Nick and I spoke about the importance of sponsors and fundraising to a football club's finances. So this is just a reminder about the Toyota Good for Football raffle. This will be the only major fundraiser for the club this season, so it's important you get behind it and support it. Buy a ticket if you can, and share the link with your family and friends and ask them to buy tickets if they can. Um, You can find the link to the purchase tickets on the club's website, and we've also got a pinned post on our Facebook page that also has the link. Also, a big shout-out to our sponsors who are stuck with us for 2020. Our major sponsors, the Mulgrave Country Club and Open Corp, and our gold sponsors, Waverley Park Physiotherapy, Pinewood Community Bank, Melbourne Payella Company, Stevenson Financial Group, Mick Mastromano, Liberty Advisor, Seal Performance Batteries, and the Stadium Fish and Chippery. We truly appreciate their ongoing support, particularly this season, in a difficult time. And we would ask our club members to support them when and if they can. Now we return to our discussion with Jai Bond from the Oakley Chargers. Now, now you've been there since oh, early 2019, so you've only been there just over a year. Um, can you explain why the Oakley Chargers have been so successful, both both in terms of winning premierships, but also in terms of developing players? Because to me, it's a bit of a, a competitive situation where normally you balance off player development versus winning championships. So how do you create that environment that balances winning with player development? Yeah, it's and um, Oakley is an exceptional area, uh, and it has been for a number of years. Um, prior to prior to to coming back to Oakley, I, I did this the same role at, at the Western Jets, um, and then state manager, state talent manager at AFL Tasmania. So there's you know some different, uh, I guess, programs, and you know Tassie, the the tyranny of distance was very hard with the north, uh, the northwest, and the south, and the ability to bring players together. So obviously, you know, in the NAB League, uh, everyone has, you know, a base apart from the of the, the country regions that everyone can train together. Now, Oakley uh, just happens to be very fortunate in in the the zone that they've been able to produce 
extremely good footballers over the years, uh, as has uh, the, the Sandringham Dragons, and it's a very similar catchment, it's a similar zone. Um, but it's cyclical. Uh, back when I was around, you know, the, the Northern Knights were, were were very very good. Eastern Rangers had a had a year a few years ago where they they had I think you know eleven or twelve draft uh, picks. So, but to answer the answer your question, football for for me and and for the Chargers program, uh, my philosophy is always about development uh, and and the kids having having a having a good experience and enjoying their football and it just so happens that we've been fortunate to ha- fortunate enough to have some very good players that obviously lead to a very good team that wins games and won the flag last year you'll know obviously and on and rally the way they're playing in the AFL now uh, they sort of really contributed to to that success as a team uh, last year but the Chargers have a very good culture and a, and a very good development program from 15, the 16s development plays a really strong role in getting them ready for the next phase, which is as a bottom age and then a top age in their draft year. But uh, also there's got to be a lot of credit, you know, to, to guys like yourself and the local teams that put the development in at, at a young age because if it wasn't for that grassroots and local level coaching and and development and, and I guess nurturing of, of these young athletes, then – you know, we wouldn't have such a good crop of, of young boys and girls coming through year on year. So it's when that dries up, the the, the lower development leagues and, and age groups, that's when you find like uh, maybe a dip or, or a bit of a lull in terms of the draftable output in, on any given year. Um, we also work really, really closely with the school systems in our region too. So they play a big part in the development of our, our young athletes as well. So it's, it's a lot of things, mate, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. We get the, get the cream of the crop and, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens. The, you know, they get drafted from the charges, um, but there's a lot of back end and there's a lot of people that go into, you know, our, our program. We're just, we're just the, the lucky ones that they sort of <laughs> end up at mate. Now our club's got, I think, 400 odd players, um, boys and girls. Um, probably many of them harbour dreams of becoming AFL players or AFLW players. Um, do you have any advice for these budding uh, AFL stars? Any particular skills or attributes they should prioritise? And and what is it that talent scouts look out for when you're you're 14, 15, 16 years of age? Yeah, it's 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 a really it's a really um good question and and i think as a as a young footballer boys and girls skills is is paramount you've got to be able to work on your craft you know your your, your disposal by hand by foot your ball control uh you know because you've got to learn that at a young age because you know that to get to the next level you've got to be very efficient in your disposal and, and your ball use and your craft so if you're a tall um you've got to work on the, on your craft as a as a tall player but the um Everyone develops at different rates. So um, as, as as we go through, the, you know, you, we have these development um, spikes and, and levels and we all develop and all the young kids develop at a, at a different rate. So I guess my advice would be, um, you know, football's your your goal and your dream just to, just to keep working on it and work on your skills um, and sort of 
progress through. So if it doesn't work out and you don't make a development squad or you don't make this squad, you know, don't give up because there's lots of boys and girls that, that might not make our 16s program, but they might make it as a 17 or an 18. You know, we had kids come in last year as a 19-year-old um, as, as and then get an opportunity. So but the, the main advice would be to, to be coachable um, and, and the team-first attitude is, is always paramount in, in success. I know as, a, as, as young kids come through, they're often the best in their team or they're, you know, they can play all these positions and, and, and that's how they get into the, the development pathways because they're obviously highly skilled or highly talented and, and that's how they get there. But once you get to the next level, every everyone else is in the same boat and they're all equally as talented as in it and then we sort of all work together. But being coachable and of good character is, is what, you know, I think is, is puts you on the right pathway to success and Obviously, like I said earlier, um, it's not all about winning. It's all about you know having fun and enjoying and coming through our program and through football as a vehicle and becoming a a good person. To be honest, mate, like footy is a fantastic you know p- place to to make good friends, lifetime friends, and and really build on skills that will help you on your journey. But if you don't make it, you know you've got that uh, I guess support around you to learn and develop and, and get you know hit the real world and get a get a job and college and all that sort of stuff so mate i'm just the more i talk about it the more passionate i get about football as a as a as an environment for any young male or female to to have a a, a great enjoyment but also maybe get on the pathway and, and to realize their dreams if they've got all those certain um i guess abilities and not just ability just the ability to work hard work hard and and have a crack and and really focus your energies on on improving. So you, you might not be the best at something, but you can definitely work on it. That would probably be my advice in a long way around about my. Well, I think your own. I think your own story spells that out in many ways. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's been an announcement about the return of the VFL and the the NAB League. Um, with the NAB League going to be playing in two conferences with a, a six game season. What are your thoughts on how that will impact on? draft prospects and, and the, the 2020 AFL draft? Oh, I I mean, I, I don't want to sort of, you know, uh, delve too much into the, the nitty-gritty of it, mate, but we're all in the same – we're all in the same boat. Um, everyone's in the same position, so the, the, the boys and girls will have an opportunity to play. Um, and then, you know, I guess it's just an op- everyone can – put their best foot forward and, and hopefully um, the AFL recruiters, uh, VFL, uh, and and can all have a look at, at the, the shortened season, but at least our boys and girls have got an opportunity to play. Um, and that's, I guess, all we can ask for at this stage. And we've got to be, we, we've got to be nimble and, and, and able to, to change and be ready for whatever the, the restrictions have upon us. But, you know, I'm just glad that the boys and girls have an opportunity to play. Yeah, and I dare say the cream will still rise to the top. And there might be the odd player or two that, that pops up and plays six really outstanding games that gets an opportunity that probably wasn't on um, recruiters' list to begin with. Yeah, and that's what we can all we can hope for is that um, there's an opportunity and, and we're all in the same boat and we're just very fortunate to be able to, to, to have a season at this stage, mate. Now, thanks, Jai. It's been uh, an interesting discussion. One last question. Who do you follow in the AFL? 
Do you follow Richmond with your father or uh, have you followed a different club? Mighty Tigers, mate. Mighty Tigers. It's been a uh, – certainly <laughs> hasn't been a fruitful, uh, you know, 30-odd years, but the last couple of years have been have been good to be a Tigers supporter. Yeah, but I just, I just – obviously you follow the game itself. But it certainly helps when you've when you've when you've got a team that you, you you've been invested in and, and they're succeeding. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's good, mate. Now let's just assume that Richmond's not going to win the uh, premiership this year. So who do you think will be the likely likely premiers if it's not Richmond? Oh, I think if if I'm going to have to be very biased and and go with my my heart, I'd say the Gold Coast Suns with with Young Rowley. At the moment, he seems to be just hasn't uh, missed a beat that young man. And if if there's any advice for the young boys and girls, if if they could ever emulate the what it takes to get from as a young player, like he would work like like no one else. He just had had the desire and just didn't stop working. So it's been a very very rewarding few weeks to see him translate what he did for us and for his school and into the AFL. So I guess, um, yeah, go the Suns. Yeah, well, these last two weeks and, and the Gold Coast last two weeks have been super impressive. They have, haven't they? So that's it's it's um it's good. It's certainly good to watch and, and young Ando and there's some other very, very good young players up there too. Appreciate your time today, Jai, and um, good luck with the Oakley Chargers when they get back on track in August and uh, you resume your role. All the best for the season. Thanks, mate. Uh, and likewise with the, the Hawks. Thank you. Now it's time for a second chance to win a Stadium Fish and Chippery voucher. A good question today about our interviewee, Jai Bond. Can you tell us which club drafted Jai as a father-son selection into the AFL? Answer that and send that answer to podcast at wphawks.org.au for your chance to win. for the show this week thank you very much to everybody who listened a huge thank you to Jai Bond for coming on board this week for his interview uh, it was great to get some insight into your story and fantastic for our young players to get some insight into the pathways that might be ahead of them tune in next week we've got uh, Cam McClellan from Open Corp one of the club's major sponsors who will talk all things property and finance and investing and give us some great insight into what they do at Open Corp And I think most importantly, a huge good luck to everybody out there. Big congratulations to everyone for getting to this point. What a massive week it is for the Mighty Hawks. I hope everybody has a great time on the weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Make the most of it. And, uh, yeah, let's see some great results from our teams over the weekend.